This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Amen, amen, amen. I just want to read our theme verse for this uh, series, and we started a couple of weeks back, and we've been talking about a bunch of different pillars, but I want to just read this theme verse to start with. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, and it says this, you've all been uh, to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you're after one that's gold eternally. I love that. I love that. Sandra's actually going to talk about that theme July 28th, so you don't want to miss that. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it or all about it and then missing out myself. So we started a couple of weeks back talking about this first kind of pillar of preparation to be ready for the mission of God, and we called it passion. And we honestly believe, and I believe from my heart of hearts, knowing my own personal journey, that passionate people will get through some of the most difficult seasons and most difficult times because they know who they're passionate about and they know who they serve. And so I want you to know today that uh, passion takes many, many different forms, but at the root of it all is an intense desire in your heart to please God, to obey God, and to move forward with the things of God in your life. Not to allow the distractions of the enemy to pull you away, distract you from the plan and purpose of God for your life. Last week we talked about the power of God necessary to do the work. How many are grateful that Jesus left us the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest teachings that has been robbed from the church worldwide. It's been robbed of the church. There are churches all across this world right now that do not have a revelation or a, even a, a, I don't mean to be mean, but even a clue of what the Holy Spirit can do in and through a surrendered life. And I want you to know, there's nothing this church will be able to do successfully that's sustainable for the long haul without the power of the Holy Spirit. It just can't happen. And it won't happen. And I just hereby declare to you as your pastor, I will never, ever, ever, ever get us to a place where that is not first and foremost in our lives. Ever. Because I am toast without Him. We can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to set you up for today's, normally I actually, when I've thought through this whole dynamic, I actually was thinking of doing this message first. And then I realized, no, it doesn't fit there. Because passion is what reveals your motivation. The power of the Holy Spirit is what reveals uh, who you're choosing to partner with on that journey. And I think if we get those two things right, then purpose, which is what we're going to talk about today, becomes much more easy to understand. We're in a generation right now where everyone is trying to find who they are. And as a result, everyone is trying to find their purpose. Right? And I don't think, it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to find purpose. As a matter of fact, I think, it's, I think it's good. I think it's godly. I think it's a wonderful thing. But we don't find purpose in a what. We find purpose in a who. 
And you can always tell where somebody is at in their walk with God when everything about their discovery of purpose lands on what rather than who. And what I want to encourage you with today is to see your purpose through the lens of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because to the degree that we pursue God is to the degree that we have greater clarity on our purpose. Because our purpose is locked in the entire relationship we have with Jesus. That's a good point. Thank you. All right. I want to read uh, a couple of quotes from Rick Warren who wrote uh, a great book called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, Wrote another great one called The Purpose Driven Church. I think it's great. Um, I think it's a great read, especially for those that are absolutely brand new to the faith. Um, It's divided up into 40 little, tiny little chapters that you can actually read as a devotional over 40 days. It is a great read. Recommend it. Okay. But he said this. He said, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. Um, I'm personally convinced that I think the one individual in the entire Bible that got this outside of Jesus was David. If there was ever an individual in the Bible that could be distracted by the struggles and circumstances of his life, and give up on God and give up on the purpose of God in his life, it would have been David. I don't know if you've read the book of Psalms lately. They're depressing. There's a couple that are kind of thrown in there every once in a while. It's like, oh, finally refreshing. That's so encouraging. You know, like Psalm 84 is awesome. Psalm 27 is awesome. And then in between there, it's like, smite my enemies, Lord, because they're all around me. Kill them all, Jesus. Revenge is mine, saith David. You know, it was moments like that. But there's a vulnerability in his life about Jesus, about his walk with God that I I think we have to take notice of. And there is a line that he wrote in Psalm 57, verse 2, that has always captured my attention. And I've always read it in the Amplified. When I grew up, I got hooked into the Amplified Bible for the longest time, and I loved it. And this is one of those verses that have always stood out to me. It says this, I will cry to God most high, who accomplishes all things on my behalf. For he completes my purpose in his plan. I want us all to look up. Let's just pretend like Jesus is right up here, okay? I know we see a ceiling filled with lots of interesting things. And I see a volleyball, actually, right over that light. That's interesting. Um, But I want us to... Look up to heaven for a second. I don't want you to pretend like you're looking at the Father. I don't want you to look up at Him and I want you to say, You complete me. Do we feel better now? Doesn't that just feel so good? It's almost like Tom Cruise stole the line. I don't know why that happens, but He completes us. His purpose and His plan is completed when we are tracking with Him. Proverbs 19.21, it says, A person may have many ideas concerning God's plan for his life, but only the designs of His purpose will succeed in the end. Only His plans will succeed, and His purpose will succeed in the end. 
So Rick Warren goes on and says this, the search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point ourselves. Contrary to what many popular books, movies, and seminars tell you, you won't discover your life's meaning by looking within yourself. You've probably tried that already. You didn't create yourself, so there's no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. If I handed you an invention you had never seen before, you wouldn't know its purpose. And the invention itself would, wouldn't be able to tell you either. Only the creator or the owner's manual could reveal its purpose. So I want you to just be reminded again that to find the purpose of God for your life is not found in a what, it's found in a who, and his name is Jesus Christ. I want to just start by kind of establishing a basic framework for how we need to view the purpose of God in relation to the mission of Christ for our lives. Five basic thoughts that I want you to think through, because I honestly believe if we live by these five, it'll frame perfectly our theology, it'll frame our, our, um, our perspective on the purpose of God, and I'm, I'm just going to share them very, very quickly, but it's number one, you were planned for God's pleasure. Someone said it to me like this many, many years ago. Does your life make God smile? And my honest answer when that question was asked of me many years ago was, some days yes, and some days no. And some days he must be incredibly conflicted because he looks down at me and he's like, because I change all the time with the stuff I was doing. One moment it was great, one moment it was awful. And, but I want you to understand that you were created for God's pleasure. You were created for relationship with Him. That's it. That's what you were created for. Okay? The second thing is this. Are you ready? You were formed for God's family. You were never desired to live life alone. Psalm 66, verse 8, it says, God sets the solitary in families. Why? Because he always thinks community. That's how he thinks. So you have to understand that part of your purpose is always found within the context of a family. That's just how it is. Okay? All right. Third one. Ready for this one? You were created to become like Christ. I'm going to say it again. You were created to become like Christ. That's what he wants. So, it bears some, us to ask some questions. Are we courageously obeying God? Are we tracking with the things that God has for our lives? Are we being transformed by his truth? That's God's plan, is that we become like Christ. Four, you were shaped for serving God. <laughs> you were shaped for serving God. That's the response of somebody in relationship with somebody that loves them so much, the only response can possibly be, God, how can I just bless you? God, how can I honor you? God, how can I love on you? How can I take care of your kids? That's the response. I tell you, Sandra and I have this conversation multiple times throughout a year where we say, can you just pinch me? It's like, okay, what? He says, do you realize that we get to partner with God in taking care of his kids? This is the most incredible honor you could ever be given in your entire life. And we get to be a part of it. It's awesome. You have to understand, you were shaped to serve God and to serve not only your, your church family, but you're also 
shaped to serve your community. It's all-encompassing. The fifth one is this. You were made for a mission. And I have news for you. You're made for a mission that cannot be accomplished by yourself. It's impossible to do the mission of God by yourself. Number one, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the mission of God. Number two, you need the power of community together, working together to fulfill a greater purpose. How many know that if you fish with a rod, you can catch one fish. You fish with a net, you can catch much more. But you need multiple people to hold the net. You were made for mission. I want to, for the next five or six minutes or so, um, do a bit of a staple impact church thought that we've repeated before. Um, And we're going to repeat again because there's a number of new people in our church. And I want you guys to hear a little bit of Impact Church's DNA, if that's okay. Are you good with that? We're going to do a little DNA culture uh, conversation. And I'm going to start at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I love this passage. Verse 12 right down, I believe it's verse 27, 28 that we're going to go to. But it is an incredible passage in the scriptures talking about the power of of the body of Christ, the church, which we are coming together, working together, and what we can accomplish is beyond amazing. It starts in verse 12, and it says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. We all share the same spirit. So Paul's illustrating a couple of things here that I think is just very simple but very profound. Number one, that there is unity and diversity. Aren't you grateful that we're not all the same? That would be boring. Completely boring. I'm I'm glad that we have a a number of very unique individuals in our church, like Joel, um, people like that. You know, that just make this church so much fun. Right, Joel? Amen, that's right. But I'm grateful for that diversity in this church. But what God's desire is, is that we would unify around his thoughts, his concepts, his ideas, while allowing us to still be our unique selves. I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you read the Bible, especially the four Gospels, but if you read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you start to realize not only did they share great information and a lot of it's connected, but there's another dynamic that's at play. You actually start to see their personalities. And what I love is that God did not force them to become a robotic author that just repeats stuff verbatim, that there's actually their personality played out through all of their books. So Luke is the most detailed of any of the authors. Do you want to know why? Because he was a doctor. And I'm just so glad they could transcribe his writing because most doctors, you can't read their writing, right? But somehow they figured out how to transcribe two books from him, Luke and the book of Acts. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. But you start to see in Matthew this, this, this thought kind of interwoven through the entire book where you see Matthew who was rejected by his own people trying to convince his own people of the kingship of Jesus. It's through the entire book of Matthew, all 28 chapters. And it's almost like this guy who's been rejected, overlooked, um, cast aside by his own people, trying to convince them that that is the Messiah, that's the King. 
You've got to listen to me. And you can see it how he writes. So I want you to understand, God does not make us all the same. He uses that diversity in the body, but unified together to the head, which is Jesus. And we can do powerful things. So we understood from that little passage there that we're made up of many parts. Second thing is this, all of them are important. How many have ever had a paper cut? There's times where you never think about your pinky finger until you've had a paper cut, and then you think about it for 17 straight days. Because every time you are washing your hands, which is the good thing to do, you are feeling that paper cut. I'm feeling something this morning because I shaved and nicked myself over here, and I'm like, I have never thought about that part of my neck ever in my life until right now. And I'm feeling it, and it's irritating, and it's distracting me. And I'm like, I tried to put everything I could think of putting on there just to make it go away. And it's just like this little irritant. But I want you to know every part of the body is important. But the body has to function as one unit. All right, it goes on in verse 14, and it says this. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand... That does not make it any less a part of the body. Verse 16. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Okay? So the key that we have to understand from this little passage is that each part must be willing to perform the function in which it was created to function in. I think the greatest detriment to the church being effective on mission today is what I call the comparison demon. It is infiltrating every single church across North America right now. Oh, if I was just like that person. Oh, if I could just do that. Oh, I just, oh, I just wish I had that call, Lord. I'm going to give you a prime example of why that doesn't matter. Are you ready? How many have been blessed at any point in your journey at Impact Church by my mom? Put up your hand. All right, over half the crowd. She is the shyest, (laughs) quietest little lamb. Unless she's praying for her boys, then that's different. But I want you to know, we have got this thing in our head that if I'm just like so-and-so, or if I had the personality just like that person, or if I had the giftedness just like that person, then I could do this incredible purpose in God. And you know what the key is? It has nothing to do with what you're gifted to do. It's that you actually do what God's asked you to do with what he's given you. As a matter of fact, that's how we will be judged when we get to heaven at the end of our lives. We're not going to be judged for how well I spoke in comparison to Stephen Furtick. No, it's how many dad jokes did I put into every message. And the goal is 18 every Sunday. But this year's 2019. I should be at 19 now, right? Next year's 20. That's awesome. The point is, is that I have to be in my lane. Just like you have to stay in your lane. My mom stays in her lane. 
And the cool thing is, is because she stayed in her lane, God supernaturally is expanding her lane. And she has more and more influence and more and more effectiveness in her life. She's actually done more in the last four or five years in her journey with God, I think, than she did in the first number of years. I won't say the number. Or she'll kill me. Okay? There is not one body in the world that's an all-eye or an all-ear or an all-elbow. And if it was all elbows, they'd just keep pushing their way to get in, in wherever they wanted to get to, right? But the reality is, is that's not how God functions. All right, verse 18, and here's the key. I want you to catch this. This is the big key. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants. Oh, you mean I don't get to choose? Nope. You mean, I don't get to choose my gifts? Nope. Do I get to choose where I use them? Well, in a sense, yes. But if we're truly tracking with what God has for our lives, we have to be submitted and surrendered to God, whatever you want us to do. Where do you want us to do that? Could I have, Sandra and I have planted a church in Kitchener? Oh, sure, we could have. But where was the grace of God? We love this city. Like, I don't know how many times we've literally sat down and we went, like, this city is perfect for us. Like, if you understood us and you understood our, what we love and our family and the things that we love, we love this city. But we didn't know the city before we got here. We just trusted God with the direction. He said, go east, young man, about 200 kilometers. Go east, young man. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, that puts us around Kingston. Good job. How many remember the Michael W. Smith song, Go West, Young Man? See, it was heresy when he sang that. Total heresy. He sings to me, Go East, Young Man. That was for you, Carling. Are you ready for that one? Okay. But I want to tell you unhealthy ways to finding, to finding your purpose. Number one, we've already talked about comparison. Number two, to speculate. The problem with speculation is that you're always coming from the wrong source and you're asking the wrong questions, right? Third thing is this, is, um, and I'm, I want to be honest, and this is going to be more about my own life, but too many people are trying to do things that God's not asked them to do, but they're doing it because they want to fix a past mistake. And I'm going to just say this, and hopefully I don't get phone calls from every social service agency in this town anytime soon. But I would argue, from my own experience where I worked, that probably between 70 and 80% of people that are in social work should not be there. Because they're more broken. Thank you. I was going to say messed up. That's not very godly. Uh, They're more broken than most of the clients that come in. But their desire is to make up for what they lacked. And can I say to you, Your purpose is not in your pain. Your purpose is in the person of Jesus Christ. But God uses painful moments to turn purpose around. But if you're looking for purpose from a past pain, I honestly believe that you're going to be doing much of what you do from the realm of your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and not the realm of the Spirit. And I'm saying this from my own life. That's exactly where I was 25 years ago. 
Um, and I got myself into a lot of messes. That's all I have to say. Verse 21, all right, here we go. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I love that. Don't ever think that you are not special, that you are not called by God to do something significant. The problem is, is we define significance according to function, not according to obedience to God. That's where we miss it. In fact, some part, okay, and verse 23, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. How many have ever injured a part of your body? How many know that you took great care on that part of your body for a while until it was healed? I did something crazy when I, um, I worked at a Christmas tree farm. How many have ever seen a Christmas tree farm? And I realized when I started working there that Christmas trees don't just have this pretty shape all by themselves. You actually have to prune them with a big machete. I had a two-foot-long machete. And I'm grateful I didn't have anger management issues. I was a happy-go-lucky kid at the time. But I didn't realize one day when I missed the tree and hit my arm. And I still have the mark all across my arm showing it. It's a, it was about, I'm trying to remember now, I think it was 15 stitches. But what was crazy, it was so hot. Isn't that disgusting? I know someone's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like those guys, you know, they're getting, you know, having their wife be pregnant for the first time. They're going to the hospital like, I'm tough. I can take it. First sign, whoa. What happened? Someone get the medic for the, God, for the dad. He's passed out. We had one friend of ours actually in Oshawa that he was so nervous that he'd pass out because at the sight of blood, he passes out. And I'm like, you can do it, man. He's like, no, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, make sure that at every moment there is a chair within two feet of your rear end. And you should be okay. And he's like, okay. And he actually made it through. And there's a couple of times that the nurse had to sit him down into the chair, but he actually made it through. Anyhow, all right. What was I saying before that? I totally lost my train of thought. Anyhow, it's all good. It's all good. Oh, yeah, the machete on my arm. Thank you. That's why you guys are here. That's awesome. But you know what I... Yeah, yeah, that's good. But you know what I realized? I only look at my watch on my left hand. If I have it on my right, it's weird, but it was the cut was right where I put my watch. I'm like, this is the most annoying thing. So I couldn't wear my watch anymore, and then I didn't have the ability in my brain to think how to use my left hand to put it on. So I went without my watch. And then I realized for the first month after that I couldn't put a shirt on that was tight. Because every time it rubbed up against it, it was like, oh. And here's what I realized. When one part's hurting, we all are affected. We're all affected. And if we're not affected, it means we're not as connected. But God is saying to us this morning, I think beyond anything else, that your purpose, yes, is found in Him, but your purpose is always connected with those that you are walking with. It's never just a God-shaped hole. There's also a human-shaped hole. And God wants both of those things to happen. All right. Okay. Verse 25. This makes for harmony among the members 
so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So God sees the church ultimately as mutually dependent upon one another, caring for one another, healing one another, all of those different things. But it's that care and that concern and that desire for healing that actually breeds unity. Think about this. The most destructive churches, I believe, in the world today are those that are so so filled with a striving, competitive mindset that would try to find out their ministry and their focus is on their ministry, and yet when the context of the Father, the Father always sees ministry in this beautiful illustration called family. That's the heart of God. There is no such thing, or at least there shouldn't be, of trying to get up the ring of success in church life. Because in Jesus' economy, the way up is down. You want to get somewhere? Humble yourself. Oh, that's great. Love how God works. Verse 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. The one conclusion that I've come to in my life, I wish I came to it sooner, but I unfortunately did not. But I didn't come to this until almost my late 20s, early 30s. And I started to realize that my purpose is as intimately connected to those that are walking with me as it is in my relationship with Jesus. I wish I got that earlier. But I didn't. And at certain places in my life, all you saw was a guy who was just out for his own ministry rather than loving those that God put in his path. That's the one biggest breakthrough that, I've, that I honestly have had is that my purpose in its simplest form is to care for those that God brings my way to the best of my ability with the heart that is revealing the father heart and the shepherd heart of God. And if I can do that, I'm doing well. And I think that's all we have to say ourselves, too. That's what God wants from us. Will we take advantage of the opportunities God gives us? So this is typically an impact church little illustration, but I'm going to use it, and then I'm going to come in for a close with a a little story. Um, But Sandra has used this in the 201 class for years. It is an incredible illustration. When you understand that as a church and the concept of the purpose of God for the church or the purpose of God for an individual is so intimately connected, the greatest illustration for this is a puzzle. And individual puzzle pieces that are us. We are each an individual puzzle piece. And I want to just mention a couple of basic things about a unique puzzle piece, or about a puzzle piece that really speaks to this whole concept. First thing is this each puzzle, or, or sorry, each piece is unique. How many know that for each puzzle piece, there's a unique color, a unique color pattern, a unique shape, a unique personality, if you can see it like that? Um, there's a uniqueness to every piece, okay? No two pieces are alike in shape or color. How many have ever tried to put a piece into a place that it's not supposed to go? And have ruined the puzzle piece and ultimately the puzzle because you tried to force it in there. I want you to know today, uh, God's not interested in forcing you in anywhere. He just wants to go on a journey with you so that you can discover who you are, what what you've been created for, so that you can have that sense of fulfillment every day of your life. All right. The second thing is this. 
Each piece has to accept their place or role in the picture. Okay? How many love being a corner piece? Because <laughs> as soon as you're a corner piece, you can figure everything out, right? Just give me the four corners, and then I can figure the whole puzzle out. Problem is, is there's too many people in the church world that want to be the corner piece. But God says, be comfortable with who you are and where I've placed you. Third, third thing is this. Each piece has a specific part to play in the overall picture. In other words, don't, over, don't underestimate your importance. Okay? Number four. Our piece is only complete when we are part of the overall picture. A single piece never completes a picture. Ever. In your entire life will it ever complete a picture. By ourselves, our picture lacks clarity. And how many have ever been frustrated in the early moments of trying to put a puzzle piece together and you don't have enough in place to see what's going on? And you're like, what's happening? What's the, what's the picture going to look like? Right? Fifth is this. Our picture won't be complete without every piece being in place. Just ask my daughter, Grace. Nothing is more frustrating to her than when she gets to the end and there's one piece missing. You're needed. Number six. The goal of each piece is to come together to build the picture. Oh, so it's not about you. No, it's not. What fights against that culture? Culture says it's about you. Jesus says it's about me. And I, I can be honest with you and say, this is tough in our culture today. And I'd say this is the part of culture that seeps into the church. Because we struggle with this. Many people struggle with this. That the picture is more important than the piece. But we need the piece to complete the picture. I don't know about you. Um, I typically do not like certain types of music. Some of you already know what kind I don't like for sure. Country music. I just can't stand country music. Anyhow, I'm just saying. If I hear one more country music song about the guy's truck, Jack Daniels, and his ex-girlfriend, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. But the second kind of area of music that I didn't like for the longest time was actually classical music. And I didn't have an appreciation for it until I met Sandra and her family. And I remember when I went over and visited her family, uh, she ended up surprising me with some tickets to the, to the, I can't remember the band. It was the symphony, but was it Stockholm Symphony? Yeah. And I was mesmerized. We sat in this beautiful amphitheater made of wood, almost similar to that new one that's built at Queens. I can't, can't remember the name of it. What's it called? Isabel Bader Center. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful. And the sounds were resonating acoustically through this entire building. And you're just like on the edge of your seat listening to all of these musicians playing a unique part but perfectly fitting into the song. So I want you to know this morning that you have a unique role. You have a unique sound. But what's most important is that your sound fits in with the harmony of the song. Nothing's more frustrating than someone singing out of tune. A little pitchy. You know, that's the worst thing. Because you can hear it. And it's like nails on a chalkboard for those that are musicians just saying, okay, all right. 
But the last thought is this. We have to look at the picture in order to get clarity for our part. Who are we connected to? Where do I fit in that picture? And then we have to be okay with where God places us. And I'm saying this today. I mean, I could have easily gone in a completely different approach today and said, hey, just find your purpose. God loves you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. It's awesome. Amen. Let's go home. But what I wanted to do was to kind of lay out the foundation for seeing your purpose right. Because if you don't see purpose right, you're going to be pursuing the wrong thing. And there's nothing more frustrating than this concept of feeling like you've wasted time. How do I know? Because that was the first 25 years of my life. I don't want anyone to go through that. So, I want to end with a couple of basic thoughts. People often struggle to see their place in God's design and purpose for a lot of different reasons. But I think one of them is that they no longer look at the picture on the front of the box. They think that they've got it. They've figured it out. And I don't need to look at that anymore because I know what I'm doing. Right? Sometimes we do it for the sense of pride, but other times we do it because we're actually disillusioned with the picture. I want you to know that the picture on God's box is a unified church that is on mission to bring as many people into heaven as possible before they leave the earth. That's the picture. But in the picture are people that do hospitality so incredibly well that they feel, the people that come to their house or or connect to them feel so loved they come into the kingdom. Someone else in that picture is a prophet that calls out their issues in a conversation. And they repent because God read their mail. And another little puzzle piece is a teacher that actually unpacks what it means to live out the gospel. And they hear it, they go, oh, that's awesome, I want to do that. And then there's another piece that's, actually it says, and I believe it's in Romans 12, it says leadership. How many are grateful for strategizers and visionaries? And then there's another role that says intercessor. Well, we don't ever see them. That's okay, they're in their prayer closet like the war room movie, praying all the time. I'm here today because my mom spent more time in her war room than anything else for her boys. Don't underestimate what God's called you to do and what place he's put you in the greater picture, okay? Second thought with this is people may get disillusioned by this because they have a distorted view of the picture. (laughs) Ha, How do we have a distorted view of God's picture? Well, I'm going to give you the big list that we all can agree with right away. Well, we've been hurt. Let's just be honest. Every one of us in this room, I think, myself included, has a story of being hurt by church. Am I just speaking to myself here? All right. We all do. We've all had moments that we'd like to go back and undo or do over again. We'd like a mulligan on. There's sometimes that we look back and we go, why did those people do those things? And then God usually comes to us and says, and why did you do that? And we go, but God, I'm not talking about me right now. I'm talking about them. 
And God says, in order for you to have clarity of my picture, you have to see my people the same way I do. I'm going to tell you why we don't have clarity about the picture of God anymore. It's because of unforgiveness. We hold things in our hearts. We hold grudges. We hold all these things in our lives against situations and people. And what it actually does is it clouds the view of the picture of God, not only for those that you're walking with, but for yourself as well. Third thing is this. You may be kind of walking out the purpose in a wrong way because you're actually looking at the wrong picture. I caught this in, in one of our kids many years ago, and I have a feeling it was Caleb, but I don't remember. Caleb was putting a puzzle together, but looking at a box with a picture that was the wrong picture. And he's getting frustrated because he's like, it looked very similar. It was, very, it was one of those landscape shots of, you know, mountains and trees, and, and, it, and, and what was, he was pulling out had a similar color pattern, but it was the wrong picture. And he's getting frustrated trying to put this thing together. But the reality is, is at the end of the day, he didn't even realize until about three hours in that he had the wrong box. One of the things that I think is missing in our culture today, especially in North America and more first world countries, is our version or our idea of what church is. So what we have to do is have the courage to go back to the word of God and live that. I'm not going to say who, what, or where, and when, but I know there's many, some churches we know where it has to go through 17 committees just to get approval on putting a sign on a wall. And I go, I think Jesus has better use of his time. I don't think he cares. I really don't. What's the version or the picture of the church that we have? And what I want to encourage you with this morning is don't let the pain of a past negative experience taint your view of the church. Because then what you'll do is find your purpose outside of the church. The problem is our purpose is is only fulfilled when this is right and when this is right. The most frustrated people in the world when it comes to purpose is because this isn't right or this isn't right. I could, count, I could give you thousands of examples, and I'm not exaggerating. And it's one of the first questions I ask people when people come, I'm just so frustrated, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what my purpose is, and I'm like, okay. And I go through a list of questions, and I'm not going to say them because you think I'm talking about you, and I'm not. But there's a list of common questions that I ask every single person. Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, what about that? Um, You mean I need to deal with that first? I'd recommend it. Because then the, the view of the picture will come into focus. 
Oh, and not, not only will it come into focus, but you're going to see where your part is. And then you feel this incredible sense of fulfillment. But you want to know why I'm here in this job? And it's not because I woke up one morning and I had too much couscous the night before and I had a stomach ache and I thought to myself, you know, I want to get into this for the pay. <laughs> that thought has never, <laughs> it never happened. It didn't happen to me. There wasn't a night where I had too much pizza the night before. And I'm like, I want a pastor. I want, and then I ate shepherd's pie. And I'm like, I want to be a shepherd. <laughs> That's what I want to do. No. You want to know why I'm here? Because for 25 or 30 years, I have lived people. People. I've met with them. I've prayed for them. I've cried with them. I've laughed and told many funny stories with them. I am here not because there was this grand trying to figure out my purpose. You know what happened was? The purpose found me. So if you come up to anyone that's known me in the last 25 years ago, a pastor, no one's going to go, I never saw that coming. You want to know why? Because I was the guy sitting in the back corner of the pew at King Street Pentecostal Church, sitting with somebody for two hours after the service, listening to them pour out their hearts and feeling so privileged to do it. Some of you, when you hear the word outreach, you start to cry. I have news. Just maybe you're called to that. Maybe. Some of you want to just have people in your house all the time and make them feel so special. You're probably called to hospitality. Just saying. If you are trying to find something, the chances of you, the chances are that you're going to find what you're emotionally connected to, but not what God is trying to connect you to. What do you do well? Where's your passion? Where's your experiences been? What floats your boat? What puts a tear in your eye? What gets you worked up when something isn't done for somebody else? And you're going to start to see this pattern in your life of the purpose of God. I want to end with a verse. And I know I'm over. I apologize. Acts 26, verses 16 to 18. It says, rise and stand on your feet. If you ever want to figure out your purpose, here it is. For I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. Okay, does that mean I'm called to be a pastor? No, it means a minister is those that are partnered with God's mission to make disciples and bring people to Christ and to take care of those that come. So your goal is to reach the lost, build the found, reach the lost, build the found, reach the lost, build the found, reach the lost, build the found. That's it. And a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will re- yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And here's the key. This is your purpose. Here we go. To open their eyes. That's your purpose. To open their eyes to what? To see the picture puzzle of Jesus for their life. 
And the only way you can show someone else the picture puzzle for their life is if you know what the picture, picture puzzle for your life looks like. In God, right? In order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There's your purpose. Boom, there it is. And here's what's incredible about it. You can do it. I don't know if I've ever had that conversation with somebody before. No, it's okay. You can do it. So I'm going to be so nervous. It's okay. Your knees can be shaken, but you can do it. So I don't know what to say. God will give you the words to say. I don't like that answer. I know. No one does, but it's the same answer we all use. (laughs) What other answer is there? You know, have little placards that you refer to. If that's what you need, bring the placards. If you need to have little sticky notes in your Bible and keep opening up to certain spots in your Bible, bring your Bible with sticky notes. doesn't matter, but be ready. But I want you to pursue mission. Don't pursue purpose. So doesn't that defeat your whole message? Absolutely, and I love every point of that. Because the greatest difficulty that I see in the church today are people confused over their purpose. And the one conclusion I keep coming to is they're confused about their purpose because their focus is their purpose. But if their focus is Jesus and his mission, you will walk into your purpose without even trying. You'll just keep walking into it and going, wow, this is cool. Wow, I never saw that happening. That's cool. Wow, this is a person I'm supposed to connect with. Great. How did I know? I don't know. But we just keep walking towards the things of God and things just keep happening. We didn't plan it. We didn't figure it out. But it just keeps happening. I have news for you today. You have an incredibly special part in this church. You have a role that we need. Don't ever think that you cannot be used here. This is a place where not only you can belong, but you can also become but I want you to see the concept of purpose in a healthy way. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.